Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Mike Allen, a multi-shop owner in the great state of North Carolina. We had originally intended on talking about whether or not flat rate was dead. However, the conversation took a different direction. As we started to discuss setting goals with our staff, as well as tying personal goals to the goals of the business. We also talked about having difficult conversations with our staff as it relates to their personal lives, as well as whether or not we should be even getting involved. We eventually get to discuss flat rate, whether or not it's still a viable pay option, as well as whether or not it is a fair way to pay our staff. You might be surprised by our conclusion. If you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. We're on every single one. If you're catching us on YouTube, please make sure that you subscribe to the channel. We're trying to hit a specific goal in subscribers, so please help us out. It won't cost you anything to hit that subscribe button. And with all that out of the way, here we go. So, um, do either of you guys pay your technicians flat rate? I no. pay my technicians a salary with a flat rate type compensation bonus who dad scale, right? What the, what percentage of your technicians income is incentive based? Um you know, it depends. It's week to week, but typically very, very little of it is um until they hit let's see, thirty five hours is the first break. Now they can go up, they can earn up to 65, uh, an hour for that full 40 hours, depending on how many hours they turn. So that's, so, they can make, tw- they can make $2,600 a week. Oh yeah. Is their, ma- can, is, their ma- is their max? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Pay. And they've mm-hmm. got to generate 65 billable hours in 40 hours to do that. No, not in four. Well, Yes. We're you you about back me into a 
corner that I should not have backed into. <laughs> yes, in 40 hours. In only 40 hours. Yes. Yes, 40 hours. Well, should, that's, a, that's a conversation that's happening at my, at my shops right now. Actually, with my business partner and I is I've got some dudes that are super uh, money motivated and they would work until nine or 10 o'clock at night, four nights a week if we would let them because they want to get, you know, a hundred hours. Right. Um, but one, that's going to kill them eventually. They can't maintain that for long. And two, right. I mean, they, they need to go home and be with their family or go do yes. their hobbies or go do whatever it is that they do outside of work. Uh, and so we're thinking about putting in place a maximum number of hours per week, whatever that number is, um, or just a rule that you got to go home by five thirty. We close at five. I understand sometimes things stretch out stretch over a little bit or you want to hang out and be social, but you know, we got to stop working on cars and go have a life outside of work at five 30. Right. Um, yeah. Well, so we have, um, a very kind of similar situation here. We, we will do what it takes to make sure. And, and we're not so much money motivated here. Most of the techs are really motivated to serve their customers and take care of their customers. And so we have an amazing staff here. And one of the things that we have really got to the point we're doing is, is that they are they are really killing it as far as process and flow and hours and making things happen the way that they need to happen. But I will not stand for them um, staying here all the time. I will not stand for them working day and night and on weekends, right? I, I will go in and tell them, hey, you've got a family. It's time to go home. Right. It doesn't matter. It's a car. It'll be here. We're never, you know, Rick said something to me years ago that that's always kind of stood out. And it's he said, hey, you know, when you run out of work at the shop, when you run out of things to do, the business is dead. You're done. You never run out. So you have to learn to enjoy life with tasks on your plate. You're not going to run out of things to do. You have to understand that. And so my message to my text is, is look, the purpose of working is to provide for your family. You can't forget that you're raising a family and being a part of that family because you're working, right? You have to spend time with your family. That's the whole point of it. I don't want to look back in 20 years. I don't want to, to be here 80 and 90 hours a week. You can't look back and say, oops, I forgot to spend time with my family and kids. And, and you know, look, Dutch has got on to me for that before. And Duchess said, hey, listen, um, you know, sometimes you have to give up now for benefits down the road. Well, I get that. But, you know, I've got a two-year-old little boy. And there's going to come a day when I get home and he doesn't want to see me. While he's running to me and screaming and happy to see me now, I want to take advantage of that. So there is a conversation that's actively happening in my household right now. Is I've got some loved ones and some, and some mentors that are getting up in years. And uh, this gentleman that I look up to is 85 years old. He's he's dying. You know, he's not going to live much longer. And he told me last weekend, he said, Mike, you're in the best years of your life. Don't waste them on work. Yes. And he's not implying that I should he's not implying that I should not work. Right. But he sees he sees me going down the same path he did. And he looking back on a very financially successful life, the dude's well to do. Right. He right. doesn't have a good relationship. He doesn't have a good relationship with his kids because he wasn't there when they were kids. Right. So uh, I know this this episode's not about work life balance or about prioritization or family goal setting, but uh, that's some, certainly a conversation that's happening in my family right now. Is right. how to strike that balance. 
Definitely. And and see, that's the thing is that, that we're working. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. ...to earn a living, and I understand that they're, they're, the harder we work now, the more reward later, right? I get that. I'm, I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying that that there's also the time aspect that you're trading for that, and at some point, that scale can get off balance, and we don't realize it's getting off balance. And, and you know, I know a lot of shop owners who are guilty of this. I've been guilty of this, that when we go home, we're still caught up in the shop in our heads, and we don't truly engage with our family. We don't truly spend time with our family. And that sucks because that's all they get of us, right, is, is this worn-out shell of a human being who's stressed out and worried about the shop. And and so in our shop, what we've done, especially with the techs, myself included, is that I, I try to teach them to turn the light switch off. Don't go home and think about what went wrong today. Everything's okay, right? And I've always told the story that that like when I go to Chick-fil-A in the morning and they give me the order wrong, I'm like, eh, worst things have happened. If that's all bad that happens today, today's going to be a good day. And at the end of the day, if I cut my finger off, I'm like, huh, if that's the worst thing that happens today, today's going to be a good day because worse things could always happen, right? It doesn't matter. It's all little stuff when you really think about it. And so I've had to teach myself that over the years is to back off a little bit. It is what it is. Let it be. Relax. Enjoy the day. Enjoy life and live life. And I think that our pay plans have to revolve around that, right? It has to it has to give them a meaningful life that doesn't involve working nonstop. And I think that we talk about the tech shortage. We talk about all these things that are wrong in our industry today. And a big part of the tech shortage is, is they had to work a ton of hours to generate enough pay to feed their families. And it never provided them enough money to do all the other things that a family likes to do, like go on vacation. And they didn't have the security they needed and they didn't have this and they didn't have that and insurance and all of these factors that led them to going home stressed out in a shell instead of being a father, a mother, a husband. Right. And I think it's really important that we we devise pay plans 
that ensure they have that opportunity. In the same respect, we have to make sure the business is profitable. How do you do that? Well, you've got to build a financial plan around it. You've got to charge appropriately, right? And I think that's the big discussion that's going on in our industry right now. Hey, Mike, uh, these technicians that you want to send home, are they? do they have families or are they younger guys that are single, maybe just a girlfriend? T- Terry's uh, a younger guy that's single, but the the guy that's the the one that's concerning to me because if he was single and he was just trying to crush it to save up money to buy a house or something like that, I'd probably be less concerned. The guy that that is the worst offender, I guess, he's a super high producer, right? And he's making a lot of money and he does really good quality work. He's also got three year old twins at the house, uh, oh, and man. so that that begs the question: Is it an escape mechanism for him. I don't know, but yeah. that's, that's a, that's a bigger, heavier question, but, um, have you asked him though? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, you know, and I need to, I need to know my desired outcome of the conversation, um, and do a little fact finding and then, and then we're going to have that, that longer sit down. Um, well, I guess if you're, if you're afraid of what he's going to say or how the conversation is going to end, if he's going to get defensive, I mean, that's one thing. I know I have one tech who we've had that conversation where he'll stay really late at the shop working, mostly working, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> to avoid going home. And he's got a young kid too, but I've had to call him out on it. We've had that conversation I'm like, dude, you can't just sit here because you don't want to go home. You need to face up your responsibilities at home and take care of your household, not just hang out at work and then just blame the shop. Oh, I had to work late every single night. That's not going to work. That's not healthy. And so it, it's great if he's money, money motivated, but I would almost confront him about it. But I don't, I don't see that as a, a bad thing for somebody like Terry, who may not have a lot going on at home, who would otherwise go home and play video games or something like that. And he wants to stay and work an extra 20 hours a week and bang out some work. I, I know if I were, you know, single and in my 20s, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be working 100 hours a week and be perfectly happy doing so. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I want to say to what you were talking about, you know, before we move off of the topic, is that, you know, you talk about that that situation with your with your tech with the three little ones. I mean, we're leaders, right? We lead our shop in the direction it needs to go, but we're also mentors and leaders of our staff, right? And and so, you know, we have conversations with our techs and other people in our shop all the time that go beyond how to become a better tech, right? And And that's part of the culture that we have here because we all want the best for each other. And so we slow down a little bit. You know, yesterday I was talking to Terry and we're like, hey, listen, you know, you've got these goals you're feeling really frustrated with life. You're having a hard time getting hours out. And we slowly talk through the conversation or the, the situation. And we come back to the fact that it wasn't the hours that were the problem. Like in his head, he envisioned the hours as the problem. The, the problem was he was spending all this time and energy on other things for other people. And he wasn't spending enough time towards his own goals of owning a house. Right. And we talked through that and talked about like, you know, you're feeling defeated because you're not achieving the things you want to achieve. 
but you're not focused on the things you're trying to achieve. Well, just like those three little youngins at home, you have to help him understand the fact that he may regret that one day. Now, it's still, it's still his choice, right? But at the end of the day, I think as leaders, it's important for us to come back and show true and genuine care for that person. And and it wouldn't be the first person that I've even let go. You know, you guys know the situation I'm in right now. I've let people go and encouraged people to leave through other means because it wasn't healthy for them, right? And I think it's really important that we lead our our team in that way. We have to do what's best for our team. Well, that that's a that's an area that I've tried to push into in the past with developing my team outside of you know just their work task, right? So once someone has been with us for a certain amount of time. Uh, we have a requirement of 40 hours of paid training per year uh, that's specific to their job task. So, you know, advisors need to improve their skill set for 40 hours a year and technicians do that and, and, and whatnot. Um, after three years, if they, you know, they're meeting that requirement every year, they have the option to devote a portion of that CE to things that are unrelated to work, uh, be that financial management, be that, you know, estate planning, or if you want to learn another language or, whatever that might be, nobody takes advantage of it. You know, I've offered to send anyone on my team to pay for them to go to the Dave Ramsey course. Had one person in years take advantage of it. Um, So is that a, maybe I'm not presenting it in a manner that they realize the value of it. Um, But it's just like, you know, if you have a retirement plan as one of your benefits and you've got match on that, that is one of the very best investments you can make is at least maximize the company match, right? And it's like 50-50 people that take advantage of it. And maybe I'm failing to show them the power of compound interest or of planning ahead or whatever it might be. Well, here's the thing is I think that that there's – there's a large majority of human beings who go through life and they never set that goal or set that destination and they never, you know, set the pathway to it. Right. They, they just go through life, get a paycheck, go home and do what they do. Right. That's the extent of it. And I think that it's easy for us to see it from a different light because we're business owners. We're trying to achieve things. We've got this destination in mind and this plan and where we're going. And I think a lot of the people that we work with, may not have that kind of thought process. I think if we start with them with their goals and where they're trying to go, and if they don't have any goals, right, that that, that ends up being the the most difficult thing. Uh, And and you may not be familiar with this, Mike, but we had a, Lucas and I had a mastermind group and we had several shop owners in the group and we got into, Lucas had already stepped out of the group at this point, but we had gotten into a lot of uh, just basic management skills with our people in the shop. And one of the things that we talked about was making sure that we understand our staff's personal goals and then making sure that we tie the function or the work that they do in the shop to their personal goals. Because at the end of the day, people aren't working for the shop. They're not working to make the shop money. They're working for themselves they're working to achieve their own personal goals. And so everybody went out and started having conversations with their staff about their personal goals. And I would say, like Lucas was saying, 80 or 90% of the staff had no idea. 
Yeah, they don't what ever would you like to achieve? Yeah, the, how, what would you like to achieve with your with the money that you work that you make here, or the skills that you're gaining here at the shop? What would you like to achieve with that? And no clue, just blank stares. And it was, I mean, and they're doing weekly sit down meetings with their staff, and it was just week after week after week. They these people could not come up with anything. And so I think it gets really difficult to have these type of conversations, uh, like you're saying, Lucas, having that sitting down and having that conversation with that tech who's banging out a hundred hours a week, but he's got twins at home that he should be going home to and being a father to having that conversation saying, Hey, that's not my goal. You know, my wife takes care of the kids. I'm here to make money. That's what I do. And then understanding that dynamic and then helping them to achieve that goal, whether you think that's the right goal or not, maybe you give them some perspective and say, hey, look, I've been there. You don't want to see these kids grow up. And all of a sudden you come home and they're you know, 18 and they're leaving the house and you have no idea who they are. Um, maybe giving some perspective, but at the same time, sometimes people just, they have no idea. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really difficult for you to have that conversation with them when they've never thought in those terms. Right. Right. And and look, I mean, I think that that whatever their goal or their dream is. Right. We, I don't know if either of you have listened to or read the dream manager. Right. I, I think whatever it is, their goal is the purpose of the business for them is to serve that goal or to get them to that goal or that destination. Right. That that's what they come to work for. And if we can reinforce that as opposed to, to looking at it from the aspect that this is why they work for me is to fix cars. Well, while that's their purpose for me, their purpose from their perspective for the business is something completely different. And I think understanding that gives us a ton more value to the employee because it's not just pay, right? Money motivated is one thing, but there's a ton of other things that motivate human beings. And, and look, I guess I, I've got a moral and ethical thing that just stops me before I say, hey, look, you're going to come to work for me and you're going to turn this many hours and that's your purpose in my life. No, I mean, I, I think we can learn something from everybody. So I try and see this as how can I serve them? Right. Because if I'm serving them correctly, they're serving my customers correctly. This is about something bigger as far as our culture from my perspective. So what's the solution? Do you force them then? Like, no, like Mike was saying, he was he was talking about just shutting down and forcing everybody to go home, even though he had guys that wanted to stay and get more work done for whatever reason. No, Maybe I mean, it's a look, matter of sitting down and finding out those reasons. I, I, I don't know how many times I've walked in. Eric is a is a tremendously hard worker. And Scott, when he was here, was the same way. Very, very hard worker. Right. And I've had to walk in before and say, go home. And they're like, oh, I got to get this done. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Right. Well, but the customer this and the customer that and we've got this and we're so busy. It's OK because it's always going to be here. You're going to come in Monday and no matter what, there's always going to be something to do. If you're trying to overcome this constantly, you're never going to overcome it. You're going to burn yourself out. Go home. Relax. It's not a big deal. We'll finish it Monday. Who cares? Right. And, and I think the thing is, is that we have to be that leader. You just go in and you talk to him and you explain why it's more important for you at five o'clock on a Friday or five o'clock on a Thursday or whatever it is. Go home and enjoy your family. 
Now, if they choose to stay, I can't force them if they want to work on their car, if they want to come in and clean the shop. I'm not going to say, no, you can't do that because that damages your culture. But the fact that I've reached out to them and say, hey, I really care about you. I just want to do what's best for you. Go on home, man. It's not that big of a deal. Now, there's times that I'm stressed out and I really don't feel that way. Let's be real. I mean, there are times that I we've we've missed deadlines and we've got work piled up and people are going to be frustrated because we're dropping balls left and right. And I really don't feel like I can say, go home. You've got to go home, you know, take care of your family. But guess what I do? I walk into the shop and say, guys, go home. It's all right. It's not a big deal. Right now, I might stay and work a little bit late, but um, and I've tried not to do that myself. I try and go home. You know, when we had an advisor in here, and you know, hopefully when we hire another advisor, um, I would go home at four thirty and spend a few minutes with my family. When we started doing the podcast, I would leave at four o'clock, so I got to see my kids before they went to bed. And so, I think it's important to set priorities that are outside of work, and can't force them to do it, can't make them do it but you should at least talk to them about it. I, th- I think that's the point is having that conversation. So a couple of weeks ago, one of my buddies, I'm sure you guys know him or know of him is Greg Buckley at Buckley's auto care in Delaware. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Buckley. Um, yeah. He's he went all, what an awesome dude. Uh, Absolutely. But he had a meeting with his entire team and he drew out a tape measure 79 inches out and laid it on the floor. And he had put a tech mark uh, along the tape measure for each one of his teammate team members uh, at their age number. And his whole staff is male. He said, the average American male lives to 79 years old, and here's where you are along that path. And you know, some of them are in their 50s. One of them is 60. He's like, here's how much of your life you have spent to this point. Here's how much you have left. What are the things that you want to do? What are your goals? What are the things you've always said one day? If not now, when are you going to do those things? It's time to start exactly. thinking about goals. Exactly. And I thought that was super powerful. So I've, I've set the plan to do that at our, at our next shop meeting to try to quantify for the team why it's important to have goals. And they don't just have to be about work. They don't have to be about money. Maybe they're about traveling. Maybe they're about, I've always wanted that car. What are you doing to get closer to having that car? What are you doing to get closer to taking your family to the Grand Canyon? You know, you want to go to Hawaii. Well, I mean, are the decisions you're making in your financial life moving you closer or further away from Hawaii? (laughs) That's a very valid point, right? And that, that was the conversation that I had with one of our techs yesterday was that, you know, we were talking about he wants a house. Great. You're, you're spending all this money and you're doing all these things going in all these different directions and you're feeling frustrated because more money's not coming in, but you're not focusing your energy and you're not focusing your direction in a house. You're going and helping person A and you're helping person B and that was for free and this was for free and you're exhausting yourself. You're, you're going out till three and four in the morning trying to, to go do something fun with this person. Or you just went and bought right. that F-250 because it was really cool. Right. And you exactly. Didn't really need <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and then the next thing you know, there, there's not enough money. So the first thing they do, you know, a lot of times as shop owners, somebody comes to us and says, I'm not making enough money. And you're really like, dude, I, I'm giving you everything I can to get your hours right. I can't give you cars that you can't get done. 
So as shop owners, we get kind of frustrated and, and we think we're just going to throw money at the problem. Sometimes we have to throw guidance at the problem. We have to make them aware of where they're at. And it might upset some of them. It might not work out the way we in, envisioned with some of them. But if we don't at least stand out and say, hey, listen, uh, you know, I hear you saying that that you're not getting enough hours and that's the problem. Uh, as you can see, we've got plenty of work in the shop. So help me understand why you don't think you're getting enough. Well, you know, I'm just really tired at work. Okay, what are you doing when you get home? Well, you know, I had to do this and I had to go out of town to do this and I had to do this. Okay, so what's your priority? Is it the money and efficiency in the shop to get you that money? Or is it going and doing those other things because you have to set your priorities? Um, you know, we, we have that. We've always talked about the curse of knowledge. And we always think about ourselves and, and it's like, you know, well, we know how much we paid for a part and we know how much time it takes to do something. So when we sell something, we've got that curse of knowledge and it worries us. Or, um, you know, maybe it's that we're talking to a customer and we say, hey, you know, listen, uh, your mass airflow sensor is bad and, and it's not reading the proper grams per second and you need a mass airflow sensor. They don't understand what that device does. So we've 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 limited ourselves with the curse of knowledge in that person understanding us. Well, it's the same situation with techs, right? Um, we have the curse of knowledge that says we understand what it takes to get to where we want to go because we're running a business and we have to know the numbers to make our business successful. That doesn't mean that our staff is looking at the numbers and understanding the personal finances and what it takes for them to reach the goal that they want. Sometimes we have to be there to guide them to that if that's what they want. And I think that that's where we get to the point that as shop owners or employers, we're serving our employees at a different level. We must serve our staff, right? And then we build the culture that we've always wanted. Maybe. <laughs> this, yeah, this right. didn't this went off in a completely different direction mike i'm sorry this yeah, is lucas's okay. fault yeah, why is that uh, my I, fault because it always is oh well, that's a good point okay you're right so speaking of money uh i had a shop owner tell me that uh one of his technicians who's very well compensated and he he asked is x amount of dollars enough am i underpaying this person and we started talking about it, and it turns out the guy just keeps asking for more money because he's he's terrible at managing his finances, and so he wants to do all these things that are well beyond his means, and rather than saving up or, or just being very disciplined about what he's spending his money on so he can get all those things that he wants because he makes plenty of money, he blows his money on stupid stuff. And then when he runs out of cash, but he still wants to go do this, uh, these other things, he starts to get upset with the shop owner, telling the shop owner, hey, you don't pay me enough. You simply don't pay me enough. So what does the shop owner do? What the shop owner did initially was give him a raise. You know, hey, you've been working really hard. I'm going to go ahead and give you a raise. But what that ends up lasting maybe a week or two. And then what do you think ends up happening? Parkinson's yep. law kicks in, and all of a sudden that money dries up. I need more money. I need more money. It, it's not a function of how much they make. It's entirely what's their goals? What are they trying to achieve with that money? And like you said, Lucas, coming up with a plan, helping them come up with a plan to hit those goals, to achieve those things that they want to do, whatever that happens to be. And But you have to have the conversation on a continuous basis as well. Because trust yes. me, having the conversation once will work for a little while just like giving that pay raise, 
But if you don't have that conversation on a continuous basis, they forget. And it goes back to, it ends up being muscle memory. They go back to what they were doing before. And all of a sudden, hey, I'm still not making enough money. It's like, whoa, 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 what happened to the savings plan? What happened to putting this money away for that? What happened to reaching this goal first? They've forgotten about it. So I sometimes worry about those conversations. And I've vacillated over my career between wanting to know these types of details about my team or, or wanting specifically to not know, right? Because, you know, dude, you're making six figures. You, you should be able to make your house payment and, and, you know, whatever else is you want to do uh, with responsible financial management. It's not, you know, it's not my job to manage your finances for you. I'll provide for you the tools you need to learn how to do it. But at a certain point, personal, I'm, I'm a big believer of personal responsibility. You know, yes. almost yes. everyone in the world finds themselves today in a place and a condition that is the result of the decisions they have made throughout their life. Amen. Yes. Absolutely. Bad things happen. Random things happen. That's true. But on the whole, you're where you are right now because of the decisions you've made in your life. Right. So are, are we, this sounds so boomer. Just go ahead and say, okay, boomer you know, put on your big boy pants and, and go to work and take some responsibility. And I'm not running uh, a daycare. I'm running a business. And that's totally not the way to, to interact with people today. I know that, but that's my default when I start getting, you know, flush with emotion about things. So Right. Well, I mean, look, here's the deal is that, that at the end of the day, when we get into these situations with staff members, Right. Where, where they're not happy with where we're at. I mean, look, I, I think we I think as business owners, we have a responsibility to make sure that we're providing a living wage. Right. I, I think that's really important. Um, I, I think that is something that we owe based on only, the value they bring to the company. Yes. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Okay. And, well, make and sure so make that caveat, because that but I mean, living but I mean, wage phrase gets thrown out there. Yeah. So, <laughs> but really, are, is there anyone? I mean, I'm sure there are. But on the whole, are there many members of the ASOG group that aren't paying well? That aren't? I mean, if you're a halfway capable technician, if you're a halfway capable service advisor, you should be making a good living. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I mean, look, when when. When someone first comes into ASOG or first comes into IGONC or first comes into, you know, one of the, the other groups out there, initially, I think a lot are coming in and they're struggling. They're having a hard time. Things aren't going the way they envisioned in the shop. And they start asking about, hey, what's everybody paying? I can't find any techs. And you find mm -hmm. out they were paying $15 an hour or you yeah. find out they were paying, you know, $18 an hour flat rate. And they, they had really poor performance as far as techs went. And so I, I think this is a really important conversation to have. Yeah. And, and, you know, like David said, I'm not saying paying for poor performance. I don't think that's, that's where we need to be. But I also think that if we put in a structure that allows them to have at least a base living wage, Right. So if things go wrong in the shop, we didn't get the workout we were supposed to create a plan that takes care of your people, even if those well, things don't go right. So, you know, flat rate for it to be a fair plan, for it to be a viable type of pay plan, it requires the business owner to do at least two things right. First is they have to supply cars to the bay. Right. Yes. 
Uh, and second is they have to be able to sell the service that is needed or have advisors that are able to sell the service that is needed. Without those two things, then flat rate is not fair, right? So I base all of my feelings about flat rate on the assumption that the business owner is providing cars and the means to sell the service that's needed. Because without right. those two, then you've got bigger problems to worry about. Right. And I absolutely agree. But so let, let's envision kind of where I was when I started trying to come into the business and say, let's make things work like they're supposed to. Right. I, I wasn't doing those things. So it was really, really scary for me. This idea of coming in and saying, you know what, I'm going to give them 40 hours and I'm going to pay for X number of dollars an hour for 40 hours, no matter what. I'm going to give them a base. Right. Well, that that for me, because I wasn't financially where I should have been, was a little bit scary. But that was the pathway that we used to get to where we had the good people in the door that could help us grow the business to the degree it's grown to now. Right. If if I hadn't taken that gamble and reached out and and offered some of that, I never would have found these amazing techs we have right now. I would have never been able to take care of them the way they should have been taken care of. And there would never would have been enough incentive to move from a shop that was straight flat rate to this shop. Right. Well, and I'm, I'm not opposed to a short term guaranteed minimum. Right. So that they can come in and know that they have the chance to learn make sure that I wasn't blowing smoke telling them about our car count or our service advisor's close ratio or hours for our or whatever those numbers are. And hopefully they're asking what those numbers are in the interview process. Right. Uh, but you know, if Lucas, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if, if the technicians you have weren't producing in a manner to easily outpace your guaranteed minimum, they wouldn't be your technician for long. Exactly. So if that's the if that's the case, why do you need the minimum beyond the first ninety days so that they can get their feet wet and learn what you're about? Well, so here's my thing, right? Is is that it is a security blanket for them. It gives them confidence. They know Lucas is not going to let something happen to me. He's going to be here to take care of me, right? Now, obviously, they know that I have minimum levels of acceptable performance, and there are situations where I know that we weren't above those minimum levels because of something that happened that wasn't their fault they couldn't control. And I like giving them that safety net that if something fails, something goes wrong, they're still taken care of no matter what. So I enjoy that ability to say, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to make sure you're okay. I think you take that minimum away, right? Or that 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 safety net away. And guys start to feel a little more nervous about it. Therefore, they're more focused on what if, what if, what if. Whereas if we have the safety net, they're more focused on trying to go up, right? Now, you're right. My guys here, I don't have to worry about that anymore. But I promise you that if I had gone to them and say, said when, when we were trying to hire somebody, now for 90 days, uh, you're going to have this safety net and then that safety net's going to disappear – Gosh, I mean, I I feel like they – I know that my guys may not have a, have been as receptive to the position at that point in time if we had done that. Does that make sense? Well, and and like in, like anything in the world, it's the presentation, right? It's of course. Hey, John, I'm gonna. You know, you're you've got all the skills that I'm looking for, and uh, you're what I need on this team. And I think that you're going to be a great addition, and you're going to love it here. Um, you know. 
I understand it's a big risk and there's a lot of unknowns and I want to give you the safety and security of knowing, of having, being able to try us out. So for the first 90 days, I'm going to guarantee you $1,500 a week or whatever that number is, depending upon your market and the skill set of the guy, right? Um, now I'm going to give you the greater of this minimum X dollars or what you produce. And I'm going to pay you $40 an hour flat rate or whatever that number is in your market. And let's be frank, you're not going to be happy if you just earn that minimum. And I'm not going to be happy either, but I believe that you're going to blow that out of the water. And I'm going to guarantee you at least four cars a day, right? And if you follow our processes and our procedures and you do a comprehensive DVI, we're going to estimate everything and pre present everything. And my service advisors are rock stars. If you follow all that, you're never going to have to worry about that minimum. And neither am I, right? That's the, it's the same conversation, right? Except I, I agree. But the problem is, is that we've got more and more technicians, right? And, and you look in any tech board, more and more technicians are getting to the point, And it's a widely known thing. Hey, flat rate's a joke. We, we shouldn't we shouldn't be working for flat rate. We should stand up against flat rate. And you're seeing it more and more in the technician boards. So I think if we continue to pay that way, eventually we back ourselves into a corner where less and less people we're, we're pulling from a smaller pool of technicians at that point who are willing to do that. Now, your extremely good technicians are most likely in that pool. Right? Oh, yeah. They want to be in that pool because they know on flat rate, hey, I can turn some hours. I can do really well. But it also limits you to a being able to grow a technician. Right. Because we all want to go out and find that great A technician or that great B technician that can really turn the hours. In some cases, we're going to have to get to the point where we're growing technicians, right? And 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 I think we look at that like the apprenticeship positions. We have to start somewhere. We have to get them started somewhere, but it can't always be on flat rate. Well, and I, I agree. There are, there, are, there are always going to be exceptions to flat rate. I mean, general service guys, apprenticeships, I don't think those are flat rate positions. That's a different job, you know? Right. Yeah, definitely. But I know a lot of shop owners who are trying really, really hard to bring somebody like that in and pay them flat rate. And, you know, you bring this new guy in that's never worked in a shop and you're like, uh, gosh, you only turned four hours today. Well, you're only getting paid for four hours, you know, and it just doesn't work for them. Well, that's that's a, that's that's a shop owner problem. That's not a pay plan. Problem. Oh, I agree. That's, yeah. But but that that's my point is that, that this is usually a shop owner problem. This pay plan, the reason it doesn't work is usually the shop owner's fault, right? When we talk about why the tech, you, you know, we, we talk about what the technician's being paid in the back and the hours they're turning. How many shop owners do we all know that have come through ASOG or come to, to an IGONC meeting? Maybe they come to ASTE and they say, my guys just can't turn more than four hours a day but they weren't putting the right hours on the ticket, mm -hmm. right? It didn't have anything to do with the tech. It wasn't the tech's fault. Or they, they give away diagnostic the, time or. Right. They didn't have the parts or they had the wrong parts. And, and it can all go back to that. I, I think 90% of the issues we see with build hours in the shop come back to the front counter. So when I devised our pay plan with my coach, 
I we took into recognition the reason the hours weren't where they were supposed to be was more of a front counter and front of house problem, not a back of house problem. And we had to work to fix that. So in order to get there, we had to make some choices about the pay plan that would have been better at protecting the technicians. And that's what the technicians on the boards don't understand. Well, the technicians they, they on the board all and, want a salary and say that they're going mean, to. No, no, no. That's the problem, though. It's a no, no. That's the problem, though, because I guarantee you, if you send me a hardcore flat, I, I pay my guy's salary, and we have a lot of stuff that goes sideways, and I understand my deficiencies as a service advisor or as a what's the word expediter. I understand my deficiencies as a, a service advisor and as an expediter. And so if you send me a flat rate guy, he's going to see how much space I have, my car count, and he's going to know he's not going to make as much money here as he would at a different shop that will give him maybe three or four bays to, to move around, packs the shop with cars all the time, however they do it. And he, he'll know that if he goes to that shop, he's going to make a ton of money because he can turn some hours. But if he comes here, he's going to be like, I'm going to have one lift, you know, maybe a mid-rise lift for a, for a more difficult, longer-term project. And, you know, there's only so many cars per day. And if the, the job turns sideways, i got to push the car out of the bay. This isn't going to work. And so a lot of the, a lot of the, the efficacy and flat rate is a function of the personality of the shop. And so... A, a flat rate guy doesn't necessarily want salary. They want an opportunity because they understand their skill set. So they're going to see my shop and go, no, thank you. I'm going to move on. Where another technician might come along and go, eh, it's whatever. And would prefer the security of having a set amount of dollars coming in every single week. And they don't mind dealing with the rust. And they don't mind dealing with harder diag. And they don't mind dealing with some of the other BS that we've deal with here at this shop because they understand it's either that or I have to go to uh, a, uh, a flat rate type of shop. But there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with going either direction. Yeah, Does I agree. I mean, so what everybody has to do is you have to desi design and implement a compensation package that is right for your clients. It's right for your team and it's right for your business. And that's different for everybody. I mean, what's right for an electrical specialist that's working out of two bays it's not the same thing as what's right for, you know, the guy who just moved into the old Sears Auto Center with 18 bays. You know, they're different operations exactly. with different goals. But I can tell you, I can count on two hands the number of highly skilled, highly efficient technicians that I've ever met that aren't on primary, primarily incentive-based compensation packages. And I can count on one hand the number of those guys that were pure salary. Almost all, like, I'm not talking about guys that work on Lambos or guys that work on really old classics or whatever else, but general service, high-level technicians, those guys want to be incentivized based on performance. And another thing is, I mean, they want to be able to understand and know their pay plan easily. It can't be super complex. It can't have five different sliding scales and that kind of stuff. Flat rate is super easy to understand. And for a dude who's motivated and efficient and skilled, he knows that he can make bank with that. And that bank helps him get to those other goals that he set if he's being led by us properly to know what his goals are, right? So, so hold on. I, I'd like to, to ask you this, Mike. Yeah. Do you think that that pool, I 100% agree with what you just said. 
I think the the top skilled, very efficient, the most efficient technicians out there, the ones that understand their skill set and they can narrow it down. And I know exactly what how I need to move on a daily basis in order to bang out maximum hours and make a ton of money. And they don't want to work at a shop like mine. They want to work at the shop that that moved into the old Sears Center with 18 bays. They want to have three or four bays to themselves because they know how to work it and make a ton of money. Do you find that 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 pool of available technicians that are like that getting smaller and smaller? Not yet. I find that the talking heads in our industry are saying that it is, and maybe it just hasn't gotten to my market yet. I'm in Central North Carolina. It's a great place to live. People are moving here in droves. Maybe it's just not hit here yet. But in my experience, if I mean, it's the total package, right? They don't come to us or to anywhere just for the pay plan only. What are the other benefits? What's the culture like? What's the facility like? Is it air conditioned, right? You know, all of these things play into the decision-making process. So we're talking about one facet of a nuanced, complex decision. But no, I don't find that the pool is getting thin yet as long as you're paying properly. And that might be another thing. Flat rate is a train wreck if you're paying dudes $20 an hour. At least it is in my yes, area. For sure. Yes. Yeah. But if you're 35, 40, 45, you can get some really strong operators, right? So, so I'll say that in my market, we've got a, a fairly large pool of flat rate techs, techs that make a lot of money on flat rate, but they tend to come from the dealerships and pulling them out of a dealership. Uh, I'm thinking of one guy in particular, I talked to him, he was making, you know, six figures at the Nissan dealership. And he was working some long hours, but he, you know, he could turn some hours, but he worked on Nissans. And so the conversation went like, what about working on a Ford? What about working on a Jaguar every so often? And he's, I mean, he got scared. He's like, man, I, I don't know. I don't know that I can turn the hours that you need me to turn or that I would like to turn working on whatever comes in the door. Uh, that, that was his hesitancy in jumping ship and ultimately it didn't work out because he want he knew that he could bang out the hours on a Nissan. And so here in my market you have a larger pool of salary type guys that are willing to take on any project but they don't want to have to worry that hey, I only did 32 hours this week uh and, and I need 40, you know, to pay my bills. This is a problem for me. So they prefer that salary that guarantee. Well, I mean I, I would prefer a guaranteed salary also, but I, I've made the value judgment that I want to take the risk of owning a business in exchange for the, the reward that, that I believe I can earn, right? So it's a meritocracy. The world is a meritocracy. Are you going you know, are you, are you to be willing to take that risk for the high reward or are you going to sit on the bench? That's such a terrible cliche. I'm sorry. <laughs> so my question is, is, are your shops full of technicians right now? Are you, are you full up on technicians? Uh, I will be on the 16th when a dude who uh, moves his box in that is working his notice right now. Okay. Right. And, and so you've talked to them, you, you put, you pay straight flat rate. You've talked mm -hmm. to the techs, you've got to feel for it. How do they feel about it? What, what are their thoughts? Have you had anybody complain? Have you had anybody say anything negative about flat rate? Uh, one, interestingly, who is the oldest guy in the operation, who is my lowest producer, 
who also has a perpetually very negative attitude. Uh, and, you know, he's probably, you know, the, the weakest link in our organization and he's got a victim mentality. And here's where I struggle with that, right? Is, oh, you're giving me too many waiters. You're giving me too many oil changes. And then we, so, well, if that's a problem, I need to fix that, man, because you shouldn't be unfairly treated. You shouldn't be getting too many state inspections or too many waiters or whatever it is. Let's go pull those numbers and look. And then we sit down together and we pull the numbers. And I mean, it's exactly equitable because our scheduling system is built that way within the business. And I know that that's the case beforehand, but he needs to see that, right? And right. what it is, is he's doing, he's doing lower quality DVIs. So there's less to be presented. So there's less sold. So he gets less hours and he's also inefficient because he's too busy listening to his chosen political, you know, talk radio, getting angry about, you know, whatever the outrage of the day is. Right. So that's a mentality thing. And that's a tangent that I didn't mean to go on. That is just, you know, no, I mean, I look, I think it, I think it's valid. So, so I want to ask you this, you, you bring up a really valid point and you talk about scheduling, uh, you know, scheduling definitely. If you're doing flat rate scheduling, has to be set up properly. Whether it's dispatching to strengths, we make sure that we provide a balanced flow, especially when we get more technicians. And and you know, one thing about flat rate is, is especially when you grow to the size that you are, Mike, we definitely have to make sure that that we can manage our pay plans. And and I think that in your case, flat rate is probably the easiest to manage. You know, we've set our pay plans up to where our labor GP is locked, right? We know that if they, no matter where they're at, as far as build hours, we know it's locked. And I think that's somewhere that, that if we're doing a straight salary or something like that, we have to be very careful because it's easy to skew our labor GP. So we have to build a, a measure of safety into that. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's very, very important that we build a, a system that works and we're fair to our technicians. When you talk about scheduling, what scheduling method are you using that ensures it's it's a fair system? Well, I mean, we're in Techmetric, right? And the scheduling module in Techmetric is it's not one of their strongest suits, but they're working on it. But I mean, we have certain methods of notating appointments to indicate if it's uh, a waiter or whatever it is and what technician is going to get it. And each the shops are different because the capacity is different and the car count's different between the shops. But, you know, in the big store, nobody gets more than two waiters a day. So if we've got eight waiters on the schedule that day, then there are no more waiters that day. You know, if, if Miss Jones wants to come in and get an oil service and wait while it's done, she's going to have to come in the next day. Uh, and so, you know, if somebody's getting a third waiter in a day, it's really weird and really odd. Same thing with state inspections. You know, the guys just don't enjoy doing state inspections because they're state inspections. Uh, so no more than two per day, waiter or not. So it's just easy to make rules like that. And you just got to make sure that you got to, you got to watch it and make sure that it's done, uh, and follow through. And, you know, they appreciate that and they squeal when the rules are broken. So we know when the rules are being broken. So uh, I think that's what it comes down to is how is it that you run the shop? How efficient are you at some of these things like scheduling dispatching the, the work to the right technician, ordering parts, making sure there's enough room for the technicians to, in case something's down, they can get working on something else. And so they're constantly producing. And if your shop is not tweaked like that, if you haven't dialed those things in, 
I can see where a technician on the board would start complaining about their pay because they have service advisors that can't sell anything because they're getting bogged down with a bunch of oil, you know, uh, maybe yeah. not the best customer yeah. on cheap oil changes yeah. or state inspections. And they're simply not making enough money, but it has nothing to do with the pay plan. They just want to blame the pay, the pay plan, but the, the problem's the shop, the, the problem's the way yeah. they're scheduling, right. the problem's the way they're right. dispatching the work. The problem exactly. is, you know, who they're giving the work to. Hey, can I ask and a look, question, guys? Yeah. And I'm, no. I was just thinking, <laughs> I was just thinking about this last night. It was, you know, I have aspirations to grow a multi-store operation one day. Maybe, maybe my goals will change next month. Who knows? I, I, my, my, my focus changes with the wind blowing, but I have aspirations to have several locations. And I was thinking, are there any large scale general repair operations that don't pay their technicians on a heavily incentivized pay plan or even just straight flat rate, maybe with a little guaranteed safety net or whatever, but heavily incentivized because it seems to me that all the big box stores, all the chain stores, all the dealerships, they've got smart dudes running those operations. They've got dudes who know the numbers running those operations. And that's what they've all come to the conclusion of. And one day it might evolve, but they haven't evolved yet. And there's a reason it's because it works. Yeah, and and look, I'm I'm heavily incentivized, right? I, they they have an opportunity to make a ton of money on and on our incentive program. I I think that that I just I advocate for a safety net, and and for instance, one of the things that I think about, like when we're building a pay plan, and and if we're on straight flat rate, it can limit us, right? And by that I mean, let's say that I've built a pay plan and it's straight flat rate or it's some form of flat rate and technician A evaluates a car and now he's stuck on another car, but I have to get this car done. Now, does that car wait for that technician to get done when he's not going to be done or he's sick or he's going to come in, you know, he's got to take tomorrow off and he didn't finish it today. So now you see what I'm saying? So now it, it kind of gives me this like weighted scale. Is it the customer getting what the customer needs and taking care of the customer or is the technician being paid fairly because it's his job and if he wants to be paid fairly he has to have that because he did the evaluation i you know we they get upset we start accidentally stealing hours from them to give it to technician b i mean i, I think it adds a layer of complexity when we don't offer some type of of safety net in that form as well well i wonder if that scenario is not more uh an indicator of failing to manage client expectations and communicating clearly. That sounds like a situation where you've overpromised and underdelivered. If well, and if Miss Jones happens. says I've got to, if Miss Jones says, drops car off at lunch on Thursday and says I've got to have this back Friday morning, and Tommy is off on Friday, probably doesn't need to be dispatched to Tommy. Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But but you have to look at this from my perspective. I'm a smaller shop. I've got two technicians. I've got a, a GS tech, but I've got two technicians and a GS, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. the point is, is I get into a situation, we, we only have two and a half bays. I get into a situation where it's just not possible to manipulate and move that the way it needs to go. It, it just is what it is in our current situation. Obviously, we're mm -hmm. fixing that, but it leads a layer of complexity there that that is difficult to overcome in some cases. Yeah. That was Mike's point, though. Look at the Mine larger operations. 
<laughs> his name look is at the larger op- for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> he look at his larger look at the larger operations. I, I think you're you're correct, Mike, in in saying that if you want to scale and you want to be uh, if you want to get to the size of a Firestone, even if it's just regionally, if you want to own six, seven, eight, ten stores, I think you have to pay a flat rate. Salary makes it really difficult. Um, if, for whatever reason, if if there's a slowdown or whatever, uh, you know the the profitability of the shop's going to take a, a big hit. I don't think you're going to see any big box store, any larger operation paying salary or paying um, a, a big base salary. Uh, I, I don't think there there are any. I think you're absolutely right. There, are, and, and maybe somebody will will th- chime in and say, "Yeah, I own three stores and I pay all my guys' salary," but. I, I doubt it. I highly, uh, highly doubt it. However, it might exist. It might exist, but if it does, it's a unicorn. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Now, again, that's why I keep saying it's a function of what you hope to accomplish with the store, what type of store you want to be. I have no intentions in opening up a second shop whatsoever. <laughs> in fact, if anybody listening wants to buy this shop, they're more than welcome to it. Uh, I will sell it cheap. So, um, <laughs> hey, David, you know, I, I don't know. I think you both know this. I'm, I'm in my office and I can see the security cameras all around the shop. If it gets noisy, it's because there's about 50. I don't know if they're Amish. I mean, they look a lot like you, David. I don't know. But they're all um, they're dressed up in period typical clothing and they're doing a photo shoot on the front porch of the shop. So just so <laughs> if it gets loud. Are you serious? Did you, did you know that serious. this was going to happen or is it totally random? No, no. And the mystery. So that these random lot. people are on your property right now taking pictures. Yeah. And, and I'm, so I can see half of our other businesses parking lot. I can see probably 250 or 300 cars in the parking lot right now. So is, is, is the hill open today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it, hey, listen, good. Mystery Hill closes two days a year, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And my mama works every other day. Back wow. to my point. Thank you. No, you don't. Back have to points. my point. No, I don't want to talk to you. You want to sell your business. You're not even a good. No, 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 no. That's not here. Right. <laughs> I have a nice mic. That's it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all you've got. That's nice. Hey, now. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I'll, I'll tell this story. The um, I had a lady call me, and she had she had broken down uh, by a big O tire, and I don't know if you guys have big O's out there, but uh, huge chain. She had broken down by a big O tire. Uh, I think the water pump had locked up, thrown the belt, and so she coasted into the big O tire, and. They look at it and they're like, hey, we're going to have to pull the timing belt. You need a water pump and you need a new drive belt because this water pump's completely locked up. And she said, okay, well, go ahead and do it. I'm already here, right? Uh, let's get this knocked out. And the car sat there for like three days and she kept calling and saying, hey, what's going on with my car? And they're like, well, we have to get this special tool. And there is. There's a special tool that you slip over the, the cam gears to hold them in place and they have to be you know, in a certain position and the tool holds them in that position while you're swapping out the timing belt. And she's like, okay, well, that's fine. The The tools available around here, like you can just walk into the tool store and buy it. They're, they're fairly inexpensive, but they told her that it was a very expensive, fancy tool that they had to special order. <laughs> so a couple more days go by 
And they finally admit to her that, hey, the guy that does the timing belts, um, he got hurt and he's going to be off work for a while longer. And so we're not going to be able to get this job done for you. But we're so sorry, we're going to have to tow it to another shop. And though she called us, and of course we were like, "Yeah, sure, bring it down." And so we put the timing belt and all that done, and and or got all that done for her. But in, in my mind, I I I just couldn't do that. I couldn't be that shop. Now I guarantee you that Big O makes way more money than I do. I mean, it's not even close, right? And. But I, I don't know that I could have that conversation with the with the with the customer. I I don't know that I could say, hey, the one guy that I have that does timing belts because everybody else is doing steering and suspension work or just doing tires or whatever. The my one timing belt guy, he's gone. I can't help you. I need to tow this to somebody else who can do the work. Um, I don't know that in my in my view in my mind when I think of a quote unquote flat rate shop. And I'm not saying that's how your shops are, Mike, but I think of a flat <laughs> Nothing rate but tire shop. Nothing but tire dudes. All tire that, dudes. That's, no, no, that, that, they do way more <laughs> than tires. And they're doing steering and suspension and they're doing water pumps and things like that. But, you know, they're, the, the skill set of their guys are, are very specific. Mm-hmm. This guy can do gaskets. This guy can do this. This guy, and they've tailored the business in a way to maximize the the profitability of that skill set of those guys and so they flood the car the the shop with car count and they're able to make a ton of money while my guys here you know yeah they they have to do everything they have to do the oil changes they have to do the tires they have to do the alignment it's whoever is available gets the next car um and even if one guy will inspect it the other guy has to fix it it's whatever it's a lot uh it's a lot more loosey-goosey i guess that's the point uh, I'm okay with that. Well, and it, and that's a factor of the business that you want to have in place. Like what they've done is they're following, you know, the EMF method, right? They wrote the procedures and the processes. They designed the, the job descriptions and they've hired the lowest possible skill set to fill the needs of each position because that controls expenses. And that's what, you know, that that's what Gerber says in EMF is once you've got the book written on how to, how, how to do, you know, Mike's auto repair, uh, then fill it with the lowest level skill possible. And I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with that, but that's the way big chains become big chains. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so you're in your mind, or I guess in your, your goal setting, because you want to, you have two shops now, you want to grow it to say whatever the the number happens to be. (laughs) How are you going to you said it yourself. You're. I don't know that I could do that, or I don't know that I believe in that. So, I mean, how are you going to deal with that? Well, and what I think I will do to deal with that, and what I actually do, I don't know. But uh, what I think will be the case is I need to have one or two highly skilled, do it all, true to goodness, ATEX per location, and then probably the rest of the, the shops going to be built out with GS and uh, BTEX, right? And it depends on the size of the operation, you know, but uh, I think you need one guy there. Maybe that's what Big O has. And, and that one guy pulled us back out. The water pump dude pulled us back out. Maybe he's truly an A-tech. I don't know. But um, I think it's not realistic. If your goals are to be a multi-shop operator, 
to fill your shop with master techs because that was one of my bragging points when I was one location for a long time was every man in this building is a master technician. Uh, and it's really hard to maintain that level. So, for sure. well, look, and, and I think you said something really important a few minutes ago and you said you've got to, you've got to strategize your business or you've got to design your business around or, or your pay plan around your business goals or, or the type of business you operate. So many shop owners don't do that. Right. They come in and say, I'm just going to give you flat rate there. You have to think we're in a group of shop owners that really takes things to the next level. A lot of the shop owners who are listening to this, a lot of the shop owners who are coming into to ASOG or whatever group they're going into. Listen, they're just now starting to figure out this doesn't work. Right. Whatever it is, but they're, they're not planning the pay plan around the business design and the way they want the business to operate. And I think it's very, very important that we sit down and take some of these things into consideration. We design a plan or a, a direction that we're going with the business, what fits the business best, and follow that plan, right? So, for instance, a flat rate would not work well in my shop. It just wouldn't work well for us because of the way we operate the business. And we know that, but for years I tried to, to pay flat rate and couldn't figure out why it didn't work. Yeah, It's you because it wouldn't work for my design. Your yeah. technician's threatening to quit because it's like, hey, man, I'm not making good money consistently. It's up and down. It's all over the place. And you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's a lot. It has everything to do with how I schedule, how many cars I bring in, how much space we have. Uh, you, you, have right. to, you have to pivot. So I think what I'm getting from this conversation, and obviously I'm biased, is not that flat rate is dead or that flat rate is the tool of the devil. It's that flat rate is a great pay plan in the right situations. And it's a train wreck in the ball in the wrong ones. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. You know, I, I feel like so many uh, of the people. I'm almost going to say, I'm going to, and, and I'm going to make an admission here. The biggest reason I pay salary is because I'm lazy and I don't want to calculate any hours. I just want to hit a button <laughs> and boop salaries, the, the pays out and I don't have to mess with it. That's the biggest reason I pay salary. You know, uh, admissions have to be if we don't know it already. You know <laughs> right? that, right? Okay. Like, well, I don't think I've admitted it on the on the podcast. But I, I think it, if you are making flat rate work, you probably run a tighter operation than if you're a shop that can't make flat rate work. Yes. Um, in most instances. Now, obviously, like Lucas he barely has any room and he's working out in parking lots. So if you are doing that, it's probably not a good idea that you put your guys on flat rate. But if you do have space, uh, because I've talked to shop owners that have one or one and a half technicians and 10 bays, uh, and, and they're not paying their guys flat rate for whatever reason, or they can't make flat rate work, that's probably more of a function of how you operate the business. It's not as tightly ran as, say, Mike, how he runs his business and who he has on the front counter and the processes and procedures he has in place. And like Mike said, also, be very careful about the complicated pay plans. I was talking to one technician who had this very elaborate pay plan. And in, in his head... It, it made sense. You get to this many hours, your pay goes to this, and you get to this many hours, your pay goes to that. And he had one of his technicians uh, come up to him and says, like, man, I, I'm not making good money. And he's like, well, if you just 
you know, got another three hours a week, you'd, your pay would go to this and then you'd make this much money. And he's like, man, I, I just don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it. I could be making more money. You're telling me, but I'm not making more money. And I'm not just, I don't know. There's a disconnect there. And he tried to explain the, the pay plan to me and my eyes started to glaze over about three minutes into it. And I'm like, Holy crap, dude, you just, get rid of it <laughs> yeah like dumb it way down like like mike was saying yeah flat rate's easy it's x amount of dollars for whatever it is that you bill out that's it and that's what he needed to go to but i i the whole complicated pay plan or tiered thing i don't know how you do it lucas no well idea. i mean ours is really not that complicated right ours is strictly based off of um so you've got a base and then every so many hours, your hourly rate for that base goes up. So it's just in an Excel spreadsheet. You type in how many hours they got, and it tells you what their pay amount is. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, we did add a layer of complexity to it that we're not just paying um, the closed hours for the week. We put open hours into it. That was a little bit of a learning curve. But for the most part, it's pretty simple. You you put in the numbers that they turn that week, and it tells you what the dollar amount is for that given technician. So, I mean, for us, it, it works really well. Um, it allows I, them I don't to need make, a spreadsheet. Well, hey, you make 65000 a year. Okay. <laughs> right, right. Done. <laughs> I, I, my thing was that I wanted to make sure I locked my labor GP. I wanted to make sure I gave them incentive to keep driving forward. And I wanted to make sure I created an opportunity where they could do really well for themselves and they could really see some opportunity that maybe they wouldn't otherwise see um, in other shops in our area. So, I mean, there's a lot of shops in town who pay flat rate or who pay uh, salary and pay pretty well. But this gives them a, the opportunity to earn way more when, than what they would earn in any other shop in town. But it still locks my uh, labor GP down, but it gives them the ability to see it. Right. It gives them the ability without me committing to X number of dollars. It gives me the ability to say, hey, if you can perform well, you will earn more money than you could earn anywhere else in this town. I, uh, you know, I think I think I understand the plan that you've got. I think that's something that did. Did Rick help you set up that plan? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm familiar with that, that style of plan. I've got some buddies who make it work really well. So. Yeah, I. So, I want to talk about who the talking heads are in our industry that say flat rate is dead and that are preaching out call there. Call them out, Mike. Call them out. Well, okay. So, <laughs> you've got technicians, right, who are now shop owners or, or who are just technicians complaining on boards who have been burned by flat rate, and either it is a result of their own personal motivation or skill level, or more likely. It's a result of being in a poorly operated uh, operation and a poorly run shop, right? Mm -hmm. uh, now, a lot of the guys in ASOG who are shop owners who hate flat rate are former technicians who were burned. And chances are they wouldn't be a shop owner right now if they weren't burned. Because if they were in a strong, yep. well-run operation that was flat rate, they'd be making jack and going home. Uh, exactly. You know? exactly. Um, the other big offender, I think, are trainers in our industry right now who have taken the easy way out and the lazy way out to say millennials don't respond to flat rate. And anyone who is lazy enough to paint an entire generation with a broad brush 
loses credibility with me because anything that is complex deserves nuanced analysis and entire generations, especially the millennial generation is a complex group of people. And the best technicians I have right now that are crushing it on flat rate are millennials. Absolutely. So I almost like you have to treat everybody like an individual. Oh, who would have thunk it? What a, what, I know. My what gosh, a novel concept. What were we thinking? Except for the 150 Amish people on your front porch. I so, know. God almighty. And now they're dancing to Instagram videos or they're, they're I don't know if it's TikTok. I, I don't know what the hell's going on out here. But, I mean, they're jumping up and down and the porch is making noise. And I'm like, you know, I'm starting to go say something. But part of them are little kids. And I'm like, you know, they might be related to David. And then I'm going to feel really bad. And, <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. The Amish aren't big on TikTok. I, it, they're doing. Maybe they're just dressed up as Amish. You know what? That's what happened to David. He dressed up as an Amish person. Um, I'm sorry to get on my anyway. Back, back to the trainers. Sorry, back to the trainers. Well, look. I mean, so I mean, I, this is a soapbox item for me because there are some world class trainers and coaches out there, and. My family, the trajectory of my family and its future has changed because of automotive trainers. But there are some guys out there that are just full of themselves. And it, and it irks me. I mean, ex, the experts, in quotes, in air quotes, have been saying that flat rate's dead since the 80s because they were telling my dad that when I was a kid. The experts have also been saying that Miami and New York were going to be underwater by 2000 and that we're going to be out of fossil fuels by 2010. So... Experts who paint with broad brushes over complex issues, they can go away in my book. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you're listening to this on the Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It helps spread the word. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, or if you have any topic suggestions, please reach out to me via email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy to use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to getshopware.com and see what I mean today. That's getshopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.